Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. But in the battle for survival of American civilization, it's going to be reality and not illusion or delusion that will determine the future. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. So it's Friday, and uh, we've gone through another uh, just crippling week for our economy and for the health and prosperity of American families across this land. And we got this news this week. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be another really devastating week in the job market. Um, You know, this will probably be the fifth week in a row of just historic, massive uh, job losses. This is what it looks like when you tell people to stay home. It looks like uh, millions of jobs lost. So anywhere from four to five million are the most of the uh, the economists forecast there. You can see Barclays at four and a half million on the high side there. Morgan Stanley at three point eight. So somewhere around uh, four million. And you've had a few weeks now of declining numbers of jobless claims, but declining from these epic, epic levels. This is unimaginable, even six weeks ago, that we would ever even have to make this chart. This is the worst job loss we've seen since the Great Depression. Now, the hope here, of course, is that this is temporary, that you keep people out of the labor market, you send them home, and then you get the virus under control, and then you send people back to work. But we just aren't clear on that reopening picture just yet, and these numbers uh, certainly are devastating. No, we're not clear on those reopening numbers because every time you bring that up, you uh, you immediately get jumped on with both feet by the talking heads in the media and the Democrats who seem to be rooting for the virus and uh, and perfectly happy with people sitting at home on their couch learning to get used to receiving a government check. But we've now got 26 million people unemployed. That's 16%. That was Christine Roman in that bite, and she uh, she compares it with the Great Depression. I think at the height of the Great Depression, we had about a 21% unemployment rate. Of course, those were the days before the welfare state that was instituted in response to the Great Depression by FDR. And uh, and you know we had uh, we had the uh, the Dust Bowl hit at the same time, and people were just in a, a miserable state in this country. And um, we're, we're kind of approaching that now. With the, if it weren't for you know these trillions of dollars that the federal government is pumping into the economy, um, I don't know. Uh, we would probably be suffering civil unrest and and uh, and food riots by now. But uh, I think we're up to 26 million Americans unemployed. 
And you notice that the people that uh, are insisting that these lockdowns continue, they're, they're all still on the payroll. These people in the media uh, that are Skyping from their homes and, you know, uh, uh, sub, uh, submitting their stories uh, for the, uh, the legacy newspapers, they're, they're still on the payroll. All of these, uh, these elected officials that are demanding that everybody else stay indoors, they're all still on the pay, payroll. And if, if, if all of this really doesn't just make you sick to your stomach, then you're probably one of those people that are still on the payroll, um, either as an essential worker or, or one of these, um, these media talking heads or politicians that uh, are more than happy to keep this lockdown rolling. And of course, one of the reasons these uh, unemployment numbers are so high is because the federal government has now incentivized people to file for unemployment. Uh, they've they've got this paycheck protection program that uh, that gives direct aid to small businesses. A lot of big businesses have uh, have tried to dip their beak in there as well, but it's designed uh, for small businesses to keep people on the payroll. Um, you know, whether or not they're be, being able to, you know, put them to any productive work or not is a, a big question. But the Paycheck Protection Program, which uh, Nancy Pelosi finally allowed to get a, a vote on the extension yesterday, is uh, is designed to keep people on the payroll. The problem is uh, people are making more money on unemployment than they would be kept on their payrolls. This is a clip from a Tampa Bay, actually Pinellas County, Florida, restaurateur. He owns uh, four or five restaurants and a fleet of shipping, uh, of uh, fishing boats. Um, and uh, he was on Tucker telling telling him that, uh, you know, uh, some of his employees uh, won't come back but because they're doing better on unemployment. The employees, uh, we furloughed them, and then and now we, we have them working back, and some of them are still, some of them took unemployment, because as you very well know, that, you know, the unemployment, if, you, if I got dishwashers, I got servers that are making $300, they're getting $600 from, from the federal government. And, uh, you know, they're, go, they're going for, for the unemployment. And they're going for the unemployment because they're getting paid twice uh, uh on unemployment, what they could be making if they were actually working. So I guess uh, comparing to this to the Great Depression is, is not exactly apt. People are making a, a financial decision that it's, uh, it's more lucrative to be on employment and sitting on the couch and watching uh, the latest Netflix live stream than, uh, than working. There's a story on um on CNBC about a, a business owner named Jamie Black Lewis who took one of these these loans um she took two of them 177,000 and 43,000 for a business she owns in Washington state where uh, Lori is uh is locked down actually she's uh, Lori from New Mexico is in uh, Washington state uh, shopping for uh, for Instacart, but um, this business owner had 35 employees. She applied for this money. She's operating a, a day spa in uh, Bothell, Washington. I think that's out in the Puget Sound. 
And, uh, and she had a conference call to announce to all of her employees that she'd got this money and would be able to keep them on the payroll thinking that she was doing a good thing for them. But when they found out, she says, uh, that it was a firestorm of hatred because the uh, unintended consequences of taking that money was that uh, those workers uh, are are going to be kept on the payroll and won't be able to get the uh, the bonanza that's available to them on unemployment. This uh, employer said, I couldn't believe it. On what planet am I competing with unemployment? More than 26 million Americans now have filed for unemployment. Uh, we don't know how many of those are making a financial decision that uh, it'd be better to go ahead and take the $600 a week than uh, what they were making. But um, the federal government has now incentivized everybody to be Democrats. This thing is, uh, is having a huge effect on the world economy yet for the first time in living memory. uh, You know, the uh, United States has decided to, take care of its own and really doesn't have a lot of money slushing around to take care of all these relief efforts. Uh, but this big middle class that has been created because America has offshored such a huge number of its manufacturing jobs is, uh, is suffering as well. This is Ian Bremmer. You might re- remember that name from the, uh, from the Iraq war days. I think he was, uh, the ambassador to Iraq that set up that huge compound right there in the in the middle of uh, Baghdad but uh, he's commenting on the uh, uh the global devastation that this pandemic is causing you know the big win that came from globalization in the last 40 years was we created a global middle class we alleviated so much global poverty took a billion people out of global poverty it's it's more than humanity had ever accomplished this crisis is going to bring tens, maybe hundreds of millions of people that had pulled themselves out of global poverty back in it. Yeah, there's uh, there's going to be uh, just economic devastation for for a lot of these third world countries that rely on the largesse from the Western world, the United States and Europe, and to a far, far lesser degree, China, uh, because uh, these developed economies are doing all they can to keep from sinking below the waves into the third world themselves. So the Democrats, uh, they finally passed this, um, this relief package yesterday. Nancy Pelosi was allowed to go on all of these mainstream, uh, mainstream media outlets and claim that it was, uh, it was not her that held up this relief package for 10 days while she recessed Congress and retreated to her San Francisco mansion and munched on ice cream. It was, it was really, it was really Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell, well, there is no real because uh, Mitch McConnell put the bill on the floor to put $350 billion back into this paycheck protection program. Chuck Schumer at the uh, insistence of Nancy Pelosi filibustered it. And then uh, they all went home. She recessed and went home. She's uh, she's now promising a uh, phase four. She didn't get all she wanted in phase three. So in phase four, she's saying that uh, she's going to put in, uh, you know, more uh, pork for states and local governments, as well as these ballot harvesting schemes that they think are they're going to be able to ride voter fraud back into power. For his part, um, 
Mitch McConnell says that he's not interested in bailing out state and local governments, uh, many of which have been wildly irresponsible, especially in their retirement plans, allowing, um, you know, very overly generous retirement benefits while at the same time not bothering to fund them and just kicking the can down the road and pushing those liabilities on to future generations. Nancy Pelosi is going to introduce a bill that will uh, bail out these uh, these state governments like California and New York who are busy giving free health insurance to illegal aliens. And, uh, and in the case of California, in fact, giving direct aid to people in the country illegally. And, um, and Mitch McConnell said, you know, he's not interested in doing that, that it would be wrong to make uh, the, the taxpayers and states that have been financially responsible and future generations from having to bear the brunt of these Democrat states' irresponsibility. Andrew Como was highly offended by that statement. It's one of the dumb statements of all time. Uh, Mitch McConnell, they're talking about bringing back the economy, and then he says states should declare bankruptcy. How does that help the national economy? States should be should declare bankruptcy. He then says this is a bailout to the blue states, which was a really offensive statement. What he's saying is the blue states are the states that have the coronavirus problem. No, what Mitch is saying is the blue states are the ones that uh, were in a financial distress even before this pandemic, and now they're they're trying to use the opportunity of the pandemic to get federal taxpayers and and the Federal Reserve to uh, to bail them out. Rand Paul, I played this clip on yesterday's show, or a clip very similar to this, I think sums up the reality of the situation we're in quite well. No amount of money, not all the money in China, will save us from ourselves. Our only hope of rescuing this great country is to reopen the economy. If you print up billions of dollars and give it to people, they are unlikely to spend it until you end the quarantine. The question before us isn't do nothing or print endless amounts of bailout cash. The debate should now include the one choice that will get our economy growing again, reopening American commerce. Reopening American commerce is the only way out of this. The, uh, the Democrats are determined that that's not going to happen, and they're preparing right now to, uh, to claim that uh, these southern governors that are getting ready to open their states have blood on their hands because they tried to put people back to work, despite all the data we have uh, found out that this virus is, uh, is not nearly as deadly as the experts' models would have had us believe. But, you know, there's a, a term called moral hazard that you don't hear much anymore. Uh, moral hazard is when you reward bad behavior and punish good behavior. So these, these states, all of them that I can see are, are blue states that have gotten themselves deep in these pension liability holes. And that's not the only ones they've, uh, they've loaded up their states with, uh, uh, debt through bonds and other things are now de- demanding that because we got hit by a pandemic, that the, the taxpayers from states that uh, conducted themselves more physically responsible now turn around and bail them out through their tax dollars. It's very similar to this uh, debate about forgiving college debt. 
that uh, Joe Biden and all of the other Democrat candidates are all about. So you're going to forgive the college debt for the families who didn't save for their children's college and went deeply in debt to finance that. And you're going to take the money to, to pay off those college debts from the families who did act responsibly and did save for and pay for their, their own kids' college educations. Or even those, uh, those kids who worked their way through college, they're going to now be paying taxes for the, for the kids who just uh, you know uh, borrowed that money in order to do it. Moral hazard. As, uh, as we, we engage in more, more of these uh, moral hazards, the, the fiber of this country comp- continues to be diminished because people can say, can, you know, realize that if they just, uh, if they just engage in this kind of irresponsible activity, eventually the government will step in and bail them out. Hey, yesterday as well, I, I need to uh, bring a quick message to you. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. If you want to see a prime example of uh, Trump derangement syndrome in action, all you had to do was uh, watch the response to yesterday's presser in which uh, the president uh, brought forward a specialist to say that uh, this virus doesn't survive very well in sunlight. It doesn't re- survive well in warm temperatures or high humidity. And uh, and that was you know sort of in support of these southern states leading the charge to reopen this economy. And, oh, my God, they they accused him of uh, uh, saying that people ought to swallow UV lights and and drink bleach. Um, you know, and, and there are a certain number of these Democrats that are stupid enough to believe it because they don't on these uh, these cable shows, CNN and MSNBC, they don't broach any any truth, you know, getting through on their airwaves. They just play these uh, these selectively edited clips and try to pretend that, uh, you know, that that's what the president was really, uh, advocating, you know, it, it really doesn't come as a great, um, revelation that sunlight kills germs and viruses. Uh, that's how the old, uh, tradition of taking the mattresses out and allowing them to, 
to, um, you know, to be in the sunlight came about. But it's only a matter of time now before these talking heads on these these left wing media outlets start, um, you know, start saying that sunlight is bad for you and that sunlight is unproven and that we don't know that sunlight kills the virus. We've also learned that uh, the first death uh, from this, well, I, I need to back up. I started to repeat the fake news that I heard. They have lo- located uh, somebody that died in Santa Clara County, California. That is where that the recent study from Stanford University determined that the virus was far more widespread and had a far, much lower mortality rate than originally believed. But they found uh, somebody that died in her home. Uh, and it was credited as a heart attack at the time. Uh, there's no reason to believe it wasn't a heart attack. But they did a test on her body now, and they found out that she had coronavirus. So just like all of these other deaths that they're attributing to coronavirus, they've now decided that this is the first coronavirus death. So we're talking about 57-year-old Patricia Dowd. When she died suddenly on February 6th, her family just assumed that she had a heart attack. But now they know the truth, that she did, in fact, have the virus. And they are shocked. This is somebody who... Notice that little sleight of hand he just did there. They thought she had a heart attack, but now they know she had the coronavirus. Well, both things could be true. She could have been an asymptomatic coronavirus carrier, as many other people in Santa Clara County were, and still had a heart attack. But they want you to believe that since she had the coronavirus, that this was the first coronavirus death on record. Who was active, did not smoke, uh, was seemingly healthy, no underlying conditions. She had some flu-like conditions in January, and then she seemed to recover. She was working from home. She was actually taking calls from colleagues uh, the morning she died. Now, her brother says she was a frequent world traveler because of her job. She worked for a semiconductor company, but he doesn't know exactly where she traveled in the days and weeks leading to her death. But we should point out that Santa Clara County authorities believe that she got the virus from community spread. But the bottom line here is what her case shows and and what we've been reporting is that the virus had been in the country, had been specifically in Santa Clara County much longer than anybody. Well, Santa Clara County is a great case study in this because we know that uh, even on a a small random sample, I think it was 3000 people that um, that about 15 percent of the people in that county were carriers, and yet the uh, the mortality rate was uh, was less than point ten or, or uh, one tenth of one percent, which puts it right in line with the seasonal flu. They don't want to talk about that. Doctor Fauci insists that it, it's not the more low mortality rate; it's the mitigation that has uh, caused these numbers to be so much lower than were projected. The mitigation that we put in with the first 15 days and then the 30-day mitigation program of physical distancing worked. So it got us to where we are today. It is a successful formula. It is the basis for our being able to say that we can now think seriously about reopening America. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, but it's amazing to uh, to watch or listen to uh, people like uh, Joe Scarborough say that um, 
Originally, he was saying that uh, this this virus would likely kill as many as 500,000. It's one of the dumb statements of all time. Let's uh, try that again. 500,000 people could die. 500,000 people could die. Now we know that the death, uh, you know, the number of deaths so far have been about uh, one tenth of that. And he's blaming those on Trump. He says Trump literally has blood on his hands. The president was told in January by everybody in his administration that this was coming. Even Navarro warned him 500,000 people could die. The president ignored it. He didn't prepare. 50,000 people are dead now because of it. There should have been a lot less people dead. If we had prepared better, if the Chinese had not lied through their teeth. So he's saying that it could have been 500,000 people. It was about a tenth of that, about 50,000. And... And it wasn't because the virus was overhyped. It wasn't because the president did a good job. It was, well, Trump's got blood on his hands. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about opening back up. We're going to talk about what happened to the Drudge Report. And we're going to talk about the McKenzie consultant that Tucker skewered last night. Stick with us right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. These uh, these lockdowns cannot continue much longer. The American people are not going to stand for this. We're starting to learn more and more about the true threat. And more and more people are starting to realize that this thing was overhyped and that we, in fact, have suffered a, um, a massive case of mass hysteria. These Democrat lockdown governors in the Northeast, like, uh, like Como and the Connecticut governor, Ned Lamont, and uh, the the New Jersey governor Murphy, if they want to keep their states locked down, that's fine, but they need to stop this criticism of these Southern governors who, uh, who have done a far better job, partly owing to the warm weather and partly owing to, uh, the fact that, you know, they're not nearly as densely populated. They need to stop criticizing these Southern governors and, and let them get back to business. We cannot survive 
this pandemic if we commit economic suicide. That is not a viable path forward. These, uh, the, even, even these Democrat local governors or local officials in these uh, red states are, are attacking their governors, you know, saying that oh, we're not ready to open. Well, if you want to keep your city shut down, that's fine, because the city next door will be glad to have all of that business that you're willing to turn away. But, you know, there is millions of years of human evolution that know that the way you deal with sickness is to, to get outside and get fresh air and sunshine. And spring is here, and, and people are, are not going to continue to stay cooped up in their homes indefinitely. It's just not going to happen. People will not put up with it. And if you want a recipe for civil unrest, you just continue to tell these people that uh, they've got to stay inside while their businesses go under, their jobs disappear, and... Um, and all of this economic devastation wreaks havoc on their lives. The, the Democrats, I believe, want to drag this out as long as possible. They want as much economic damage to occur as they possibly can. They may be doing this subconsciously because it is the, the answer to their prayers of you know destroying the, the uh, great economy that we had put together under a Republican president. Or they may, in fact, uh, you know, be thinking that this is uh, the only way possible that they can elect Mr. Magoo, Joe Biden. Did you watch Tucker's show last night? He, uh, uh, I think it was Wednesday night, he did a piece on the McKinsey Consulting Firm, which is a a big globalist uh, think tank that that hires these consultants to big corporations, bring in to tell them how to offshore production and chisel their workforce out of their retirement plans and health care. It's also, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a sister organization to Bain Capital, which Mitt Romney headed up, who did the same exact thing, practicing vulture capitalism. Well, uh, on last night's show, one of these McKinsey partners that uh, was responsible for offshoring uh, so many of these jobs to China decided he wanted to come on and have equal time. And man, it was a bloodbath. This guy was everything you imagined he would be. He was an apologist for Chinese uh, violations of human rights. He said that, you know, who's to say that their system is any worse than the United States because they're a collective system and we're we're more concerned with uh, individuals. He tried to sort of soft pedal it by saying that you know he didn't in fact agree with their concentration camps and their organ harvesting and their uh, crushing um, f- rights of free speech and freedom of the press. But uh, you know he he didn't deny either that McKinsey. Had, uh, had facilitated so much of uh, the loss of our manufacturing capacity to China. And it sort of reminded me of uh, that scene out of Network where Ned Beatty gave that long monologue trying to explain the realities of his new world order to, uh, to the main character. You have meddled! 
filled with the primal forces of nature, and I won't have it. Is that clear? Do you think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and main, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you? You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide, and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state, Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts, statistical decision theories, minimax solutions, and compute the price-cost probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a businessman. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. To see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen you to preach this evangel. Why me? Because
because you're on television, dummy. 60 million people watch you every night of the week, Monday through Friday. I have seen the face of God. <laughs> I, you just might be right. I think that that was the speech that this McKenzie consultant believed that he was going to give to Tucker Carlson, but Tucker Carlson was not having it. And instead, it just turned into a massive uh, exposure of McKenzie for who they really are. They, they have no conscience. They have no goodwill. They have no patriotism. They live for one thing and one thing only, and that is to serve the bottom line on the next quarterly report. And if they have to sell out the interests of the American people in order to do that, if they have to destroy American cities by shipping their factories overseas, then that is what they believe in. They believe in the almighty dollar and any other currency that they think that they can profit from. They are people without a country, people without loyalty. And, uh, and when this guy decided he was going to come on Tucker's show last night, he, um, he was badly mistaken if he thought he was going to sell that claptrap to his viewers. But you notice that he did try to soft-pedal his, um, his China-centric worldview by saying that uh, while he disagreed with the human rights violations and the repression that goes on in China, that who are we to judge? I disagree, but that's their system. And so we must couple our economy with that system in order to, to uh, reap profits. Mitt Romney took to the pages of the Washington Post yesterday to write a column titled um, America is awakening to China. This is a clarion call to seize the moment. You would have never known that this was the same Mitt Romney from Bain Capital that spent the 80s and the 90s dismantling American factories and shipping them off to China along with the jobs that went with them and raiding people's retirement funds and going uh, and driving them into bankruptcy. This vulture capitalism that uh, Romney and Bain Capital perfected in the 80s. This is the guy that the, the old Republican Party nominated as their presidential candidate and who the foolish people of Utah sent to the United States Senate. But now we're learning that, you know, when you, you take a, a Western democracy that's founded on God-given inalienable rights and you make it, you subjugate it to the whims of a communist dictatorship, it can lead to disasters or it will inevitably lead to disasters. Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operative, he, he's nominally a Democrat, but uh, he's quite unhappy with the Democrats, appeared on Fox and had this to say about China. Yeah. Here's what I think American people need to understand. By design or effect, these were acts of war. Because to put it all together for a moment, 
we have a Chinese government who knows that the virus was virulent, that it was deadly, that it was communicable. They locked down Wuhan but allowed some of those international flights. And then finally, in the United States, they used their propaganda arms to incite fear, panic, and ultimately riots, unrest. So we have to remember by designer effect what they were after. And so I think that what you're going to see in the next number of weeks is, in fact, Fox News has reported exclusively, the intelligence community is out on the streets right now. The CIA, NSA, Department of Defense, State Department, they're collecting the intelligence necessary to show with a high degree of confidence that the Chinese government has done this, this horrific thing that you're saying now and, and reporting now, uh, that there were these riots and, and, and inciting panic that the Chinese were trying to do, all the way back to where did the virus actually come from? And so once all of that information uh, comes out, we're going to be looking for a high degree of confidence from our sources and from our intelligence community to be able to show the world, to build those alliances that in fact China is culpable for this. So over the next couple of weeks, that's what you're going to see. Hopefully, a report put out, unclassified for the American people, and then a classified version for our, our allies as we form that global response. And then the President Trump has a, a, an opportunity to share with the country what we know. Uh, we have to rally around those facts and ultimately rally around him. And, and that's what it's going to take to show China, to demonstrate to the Chinese that we are serious about what they did. Well, that would be great. But we've got a political party here that is going to call, call any criticism of China racist and xenophobia. And, you know, this is the same party that, uh, that ran one of the McKinsey consultants as their, their candidate. And he's going to have a prominent place in the next administration. Pete Buttigieg, but, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of, uh, my friends and Twitter followers saying that we've got to go to war with China. We cannot let this go unanswered. We need to, uh, to mobilize militarily against China. I'm, I'm not on board with that. We don't need to engage in a, a wasteful, bloody war. With China, what we do need to do is uh, take the blinders off and realize that you don't take a, a backwater communist dictatorship like China was in the 70s and early 80s and turn them into an economic and military superpower and think that there are going to be no consequences from that. And, uh, and China is well along the path of the so-called Belt and Road Initiative that is designed to colonize not only Africa and other parts of the third world, but also to colonize uh, Europe. And, uh, and a lot of countries in Europe seem to be quite open to it. it Italy, who was hit harder than any other nation by this virus, is busy uh, is busy taking huge loans from China and allow allowing China to buy up big swaths of their infrastructure. I think uh, uh, Greece has actually allowed China to set up a naval base on one of their islands in the Mediterranean. So it's not only the United States that's going to have to take the blinders off, but we're going to have to convince our. Uh, brethren in Europe, including Russia, who is no longer communist. Uh, you can you can say they're a kleptocracy or an oligarchy, 
but they're no longer communists. They no longer ascribe to, uh, you know, these collective schemes. And we've got to uh, mobilize against China before it's too late. So, what was it, Wednesday was Earth Day? <laughs> sort of went over like a, a, a fart in a windstorm. But Joe Biden had, uh, had Al Gore on his, uh, one of his, you know, uh, uh, broadcasts from his basement. Tried to put together a coherent sentence with, um, you know, very limited success. Biden was on uh, on Twitter saying that the planet cannot afford four more years of Donald Trump. These are the same dire predictions that they they made back in 2016. If Donald Trump was elected, you know, he's going to crash the economy before the pandemic. We had the best economy in U.S. history. If Trump's elected, he's going to drag us into useless foreign wars. He was getting out of uh, he was getting us out of these useless Middle East wars. Donald Trump is elected. The climate will uh, will collapse. The the uh, tide will rise and swallow up cities. Didn't happen. So they're they're back in the business of predicting the future. If we reelect Donald Trump, the world is going to come to an end. And during this uh, this interview with uh, Al Gore, Biden asked, "Well, is it too late?" What's happening? We're not organizing, and we don't organize the world. Who organizes it? Who organizes it? And so there's so much, I think, I, uh, anyway, look, I, I one, one more question here. Is it too late to aggress the climate change in a meaningful way? Is it too late to aggress the climate change? You know, these same, uh, same uh, models that, that take data and and make projections or that were proven so wrong about this pandemic these are the kind of models that are also being used to predict that uh, the you know the tide's going to rise and swallow cities and that um, you know we're not going to be able to cr- grow crops anymore and we're going to enter this uh, this disastrous period of they used to say global warming, but then their uh, their their actual temperature models were uh, debunked, and now they're just calling it climate change. Here's another clip from that same interview with Al Gore. You know, JFK said refused. He said he refused to postpone. You know that one line in his speech we all had to learn when we were kids about going to the moon, and he talked about you know the one thing that the line that meant the most to me and used to drive my colleagues crazy was his phrase, "I refuse." We're doing this because we refuse to postpone. What we should say as a nation, I refuse to postpone. As president, I refuse to postpone taking immediate action. So the the sound or the excerpt from Kennedy's famous speech, we uh, we choose to go to the moon, not because it was is easy, but because it is hard. The phrase that he took was, uh, I refuse to postpone. He didn't say what he was talking about, refusing to postpone. Maybe he's talking about uh, the election. Um, he's out there telling anybody that'll listen that Donald Trump is going to postpone this election trying to whip uh, whip the Democratic base into frenzy. 
Chris Steyerwalt over at Fox News, who uh, very rarely says anything that makes much sense, uh, accidentally stumbled upon something. Barack Obama has gotten even more popular as a former president, but that should not cause us to forget the un, the the unctuousness, the insufferable self regard that many in his campaign organization had. Their love of themselves and belief in their genius uh, is cloying. And Biden now, it's great he's got Obama's backing, but now he's got to deal with all these Obama people, many of whom did not like him. Many of whom thought that he was retrograde, old-fashioned, centrist Pennsylvania, blah. And now they're going to try to make him be more like the candidate who they want to be. That is going to come into immediate conflict mm-hmm. with the lifers. Biden has been in politics, uh, you know, since the earth yeah. cooled. And he doesn't, it's going to be hard for him to change. So this clash is going to be with them throughout the process. So Steyerwald's talking about all of these, uh, these Obama lifers are now circling around Joe Biden's campaign that is uh, poorly organized. It's uh, it's internet operation is uh, is is just uh, a joke. It's not raising funds. Uh, they can't decide, you know, what to do about this vice presidential appointment. That uh, he's now getting pressured to appoint um, a woman of color, and in this case, that either means Stacey Abrams or Kamala Harris, both of which will doom his presidential candidacy. But um, you know, Biden's doing the best he can to transform himself and his campaign to fit the new left-wing mold of the Democratic Party. He's trying to become uh, Bernie Sanders' light. And uh, and now's the time, according to Steyerwalt, that Obama's team is going to move in and take over this operation and try to drag old Joe across the finish line. I played you a clip earlier on of, with uh, Brian Dean Wright, the former CIA operative Democrat, and he's saying that uh, in light of this uh, damage that China has done to us, the last thing we can do is elect Joe Biden. So what I think he ought to do is give President Xi a chance to do the right thing, to acknowledge a degree of culpability and then offer up a solution to the United States and indeed all countries who've been affected and say, here's how we're going to make this right. And if they don't, which, by the way, I doubt that they will, having worked with these folks in the past, we now have to then rally the troops and not of course just the american people here i'm talking about a global alliance to tell president xi that in fact he is culpable and we have a number of different tools removing them from the world trade organization tariffs sanctions we have a a way to hit them back where they where they don't want to be hit the most which is of course their economy now china's going to push back we've already seen them in the past couple of months i hate to say it but using some of the useful idiots in the democratic party pushing their talking points to say that hey it's all Trump's fault, right, and not China's. So we're going to have to to be able to respond as a country to say enough, grab our uh, alliances, our all these allies, and demand that they make it right. So that's what you're going to see, and I think that there was a profound impact then on the November elections and who we choose for our president, right? We have to say no to Joe. Because Joe Biden has been in the tank for the Chinese for so long. 2013, he and his son flew over to Beijing, sucked up that $1.5 billion. Plus, you have to remember, Biden was vice president under, of course, Mr. Obama. When we all know what the Chinese did in terms of taking our intellectual property, stealing those jobs, facilitating the nuclear program of North Korea, the ballistic missile program of Iran. I mean, the 
that the horrific record goes on and on. So we have to say no to Joe so that we can continue to push forward with this country, hold the Chinese to account. That's why this election in November is so incredibly important. Joe Biden is so compromised with China. His son is still on the payroll of the uh, China National Bank to the tune of $30 million a year. And uh, we've got all of these clips, you know, where he's sucking up to China in order to try to to get his son that $1.5 billion investment. I, I, don't, I don't see how he overcomes that with or without the help of Obama's inner circle. Well, this was the week that we were supposed to um, get indictments out of, um, out of John Durham uh, on this Russia hoax uh, fiasco. Uh, what, did, what did Barr call it? A travesty, the biggest travesty he's ever seen in American government. And it looks like the week is going to pass without getting any of these indictments. And, of course, this is the same week that the uh, despicable cuck, uh, Richard Burr, at the Senate Intelligence Committee issued this report saying that, uh, well, they found nothing wrong with the actions of the CIA and the FBI and the NSA in taking this dossier and including it in uh, this so-called intelligence community assessment. It is, it's such a crock that you, you don't even know where to start. For one thing, uh, Burr continues to pretend like this was a, a, a typical intelligence community assessment. A typical intelligence community assessment involves all of the intelligence agencies looking at a, uh, an issue and determining you know uh, what's going on there. That's not what happened in this uh, ICA that Brennan and Comey put together in Clapper, they got a handpicked team of three of their cronies to write this uh, this ICA that they they smeared uh, President Trump with that included this dossier, which the FBI knew at the time was Russian disinformation. And they put it out to the American public and, uh, and prompted the appointment of a special counsel all to try to cripple a presidency. And there's still a, a classified version of this, uh, this so-called uh, dossier that we have never seen. Only person that's uh, uh, seen it are, of course, Christopher Steele, who says he has now destroyed all of his records and cannot produce them. And, uh, and, you know, the, uh, the heads of the CIA and the FBI and President Barack Obama that was uh, given, given a copy of this. Why is nobody clamoring for the fully re- unredacted version of this report like they did for the, the Mueller report? Why is nobody accusing Richard Burr of a cover-up like they did with uh, William Barr? It's okay if we redact this report from Richard Burr, but we uh, we don't dare redact anything that may cast a negative light on President Trump. Well, that takes us to the end of another week of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope we'll come back here again on Monday right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful... The Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive 
to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.